This episode of the Be Real podcast is brought to you by Amina Altai Coaching. Amina Altai is a leadership and mindset coach to high achieving women who are ready to take their work and lives to the next level. She helps you break free of people pleasing, perfectionism, and poverty mindset to claim your purpose, find peace, power, and prosperity. She has been called the fairy godmother of careers. She is an expert in residence for Entrepreneur Magazine. She has shared her wisdom in Goop.com, NBC, and more. If you're ready to connect to your purpose, release perfectionism, and free yourself of imposter syndrome, use the code BEREAL, a value of $150, and schedule your free clarity call with Amina. Email Haley at AminaAltai.com to schedule your session today. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the Be Real Podcast. I'm Diana Gasparoni. I'm a visionary psychotherapist, CEO, and founder of Be Well Psychotherapy and Be Her Programs. I am Ednisha Salisbury. I am a therapist, speaker, trainer, and co-creator of Black Woman Be Whole. Each week, we will talk about the journey of mental health wellness. We will talk about why your mental health is just as important as your physical health and the connection that being mentally well has on all areas of your life. We will be interviewing psychotherapists, doctors from both Eastern and Western disciplines, authors, change makers, thought leaders, and more. Our mission is to bring you information that is both thought provoking and encourages you to look closer at your mental and emotional well-being. We give you tips and insights to taking the next steps. If you have already gotten into the door, we'll get you to go a little deeper. Each week, we're going to have real conversations, helping you work through your mental wellness questions and reminding you that you are not alone. Mental wellness is our passion. We practice what we preach. It is our mission to touch as many souls as we can with this content and leading you to a place of mental clarity and well-being. So for the next hour, let's work together, lay back on the couch and get real. Welcome back. It's Be Real. Me, Diana Gasparoni. And me, Anisha Salisbury. We are back again for another week. I think we we're excited here. to be here. I mean, we're excited to be here. We, um, you know, we enjoy each other's company. We like recording the podcast. Those things are all true. But life That's is true. getting harder. Now that the Delta variant is here, I have to say, uh, there is a bit of, I'm not scared. I don't want my life to go back to being in the house all day. I don't want that because I'm back in the office. I like seeing my clients in the office. Yeah. Um, it's the energy that comes with actually seeing people in person when I'm talking to them and listening to them that I missed. And now it's back and I don't want it to be taken away. I totally understand. Today's topic. Drum today's roll. Topic, drum roll. Because it's <laughs> the two of us, right? We, pro- we made a promise to our listeners and to ourselves that we would talk a little bit about what we do, what we do. Not just interview people, but talk about what we do. So we decided today we were going to talk about depression. Not the sexiest topic. Not at all. It is something (laughs) that we treat and something that we see a lot of. And I think bringing up the Delta variant and the anxiety and the sadness that are coming up. So I know I sent, (laughs) I did that thing that I do sometimes and send you an article. And, you know, Freud's a little hard, hard to sit with, but the concepts of mourning and melancholia and which we don't have to go do a deep dive into the Freud article itself because it can put you to sleep, but it's a beautiful article. (laughs) 
um, about the difference between sadness and depression, grief, and the difference between a depressive episode or, or depression itself, the, di- the diagnosis of depression, because one is time limited. Mm-hmm. And one is really what the the one that is the at the diagnosis of of the uh, I want that 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 <laughs> you okay over there? The, no, well, because you have like people will come in and they'll and um you'll you can be depressed and it's temporary, right? Yes. And then people can come to you and the depression is like it feels like it's stuck on their soul and you it feels wanna, like it's who they are, right? It's like who it's they yeah. Are. Like they show up in this way day after day after day. Right. So, I mean, one of the ways that I've all, when, especially the article itself, right? Because it's like, when you talk about this depression, this, that becomes part of you and like, you really try to like get out of the way. It's like, you know, when you have gum stuck on your shoe Mm -hmm. and like you try to pull it off. And like you pull it and it's like stuck and it's just like, and then you get part of it and then you're like, oh, I got some freedom. Then you look back in the bottom of your shoe and you're like, damn it, mm-hmm. that shit's still there. And it's like, you pull it and it slaps back, <laughs> you pull it and it slaps back, right? That's what it, and then like when you finally start to excavate it, this depression, it starts to like, you start to feel better. Like you look and it's still like, you're always excavating, right? Like it's always there. And sometimes it feels like there's no freedom from it where grief and sadness, it's like, although you can't say to somebody, it will end, oh, look, you're sad today. Today's the 27th of August. You're going to not be sad on September 27th. So you're good, right? Because that's not the way that the mind works either. And I think that during this time of the Delta variant and like the not knowing, I want to say the history of the pandemic, it is it's sad. Like there's a lot of sadness. There's a lot of loss. There's a lot of, and people have been isolated for a long time. And that is a lot of people have been isolated for a long time based on the fear and the anxiety. And it is, we are seeing more, more depression and more sadness in the office. Don't you think? I definitely have noticed more of it, which is why I think it is so important. Even if you don't decide to talk to a therapist, that you decide to talk to someone about it. I think it's so important to acknowledge the feeling, acknowledge the grief that you're feeling, the fact that like I'm mourning the loss of certainty in my life, right? Like I don't know what next month is gonna look like. I don't know, you know, I'm mourning the loss of my freedom, right? right? Not being able to do all the things that I like to do. But the more that I talk about it, the more I realize that there will be a change that will happen and it's more digestible. Mm -hmm. I think, and it goes from just something that like I'm grieving and yes, I'm feeling to not kind of internalizing it where that sadness just becomes a part of who I am. And I think that when Freud was talking about that, that melancholia, he talks more about like that depression that, and that sadness that just stays with you. Mm-hmm. right? Because you probably aren't processing it. I think a lot of this is about processing your pain. And a lot of us don't always process our pain because maybe we don't have spaces to process our pain, right? And so that pain just kind of stays with us and it becomes a part of who we are because we've internalized it. So when our clients come in, sometimes we see people who have been living with this grief. They have been mourning losses of many things in their lives and they've been living with it for a long time and they've never processed it. They've never talked through it. Mm -hmm. They've just decided that 
I think in some ways, like maybe like I'm okay with what has happened, but you're really not okay. Right. Right. And you really never really talked about how it has impacted you. Well, the, there's also, I mean, this is as when you were talking, I was thinking you start to live with the pain and then the idea of moving through it seems more impossible. painful <laughs> and impossible than living with the feeling, right? Like if we're going to start to move through it, that is going to suck. And it is. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like if you can't imagine what that freedom will feel like, right? Like the other mm -hmm. side of that, because it's like, this is something I can't have, right? Like, I can't have this. Like you get, you hear that, right? Like, I can't have it. Like, can you imagine what it would be like to have the freedom of like, I don't know, wanting something and people will report that they don't. Our role is really to help them pull the gum off really like yeah. okay you're gonna hold the gum because it's so hard to have that feel imagine that you can have a different feeling i think that's the hard part because yeah. they've been sitting with the feeling for so long they can't imagine something different and they'll tell me any i don't see how me talking about it is going to make it different right. and it's not going to make it different i do believe that when we process things sometimes we are able to reframe it and maybe the narrative of it changes we can't change the past and I'm not trying to change the past because I can't, but the way that you view it might change after actually talking to someone else. Because sometimes we will hold on to things and we believe things because we've never had any, another voice, right? To tell us something different. Totally. It's just been our voice the whole time, right? So like, if I believe that my mom is a horrible person and that's what I've always believed, I've never really talked to anybody about it. That's it, that's my decision then maybe I'll always believe that. But what if I got a chance to talk to someone about the fact that I thought she was horrible and we talked why, about why she was horrible. And then we started looking into her history and how, okay, well, maybe things were horrible for her too, right? Maybe she had no idea how she was impacting you at the time. And maybe right. you can now look at her as a different person. It doesn't change what happened in the past, but maybe what changes is the way you view her. Maybe those feelings in you start to change. Yeah. So I think that that processing of events and just our memories and our thoughts and our feelings become really important when we are fighting depression. Yes. I love everything that you just said, because it is all true. Because we do start to, I mean, we have our own narratives, right? Like we have mm -hmm. the narrative that is in our minds and we create a framework and a history that allows us to survive, Yeah, right? Like we have to. And whatever the case may be, like in your example of, like the person who comes in and they have this, ex they have this experience of themselves and their relationship with their mother. I'm sorry to all the moms. Cause we, you know, you get the moms always get the business. Let's they be get real the clear. business. They, they do. They Let's get be clear. grown. Cause the expectations, they, I think it's, it's so high for moms, right? Yeah. Like we put them on a pedestal, especially in our society. And so we have these high expectations and when they don't meet them, the disappointment is great. Right. And to all moms who are listening today, your job is to do the best that you can. That's a different yeah. article. It's a different day. Winnicott, right. the good enough mother. <laughs> yes. Everybody read it. That's all we want is the good enough mother. And we're, we're going to assume that every one of you who is listening did the best job you could. Depending, and this is like a nature nurture thing, right? Like we don't know for some people, we can only parent the way that we know, right? Yeah. Like, we're using our own history when we go in there to parent. This could be like generations of parenting and reparenting. 
back to the actual person who comes to us with depression with that story, that narrative and reframing and recreating that, like it is, you do need another voice to say, well, hold up. (laughs) Yeah. Let me question that a little bit. Right. I'm just going to like, this is a version right? It's your version and it's a good version because it's the one that you have used to keep yourself safe, but you're safe, right? So like, let's see if we can have a different experience in the world that's a little bit lighter and a little bit has a little bit more freedom to it. I think also sometimes people hold on to that narrative because it's become a part of who they are, right? Like their identity. Also another article. No, go ahead. (laughs) It becomes a part of who they are. And just like the sadness becomes a part of who they are, right? They can just say, well, this is just me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, "Mm, I don't know if it's just you. Like you could be different. It is a choice. And I think that when people come to us, that's one of the first conversations I have. Like it's a choice who you are. You can actually choose to be someone different. And I think that that, um, again, I'm just going to give all the heavy hitters. Identity, Erickson. So, um, (laughs) but it's true. People do come and they're like, okay, this is who I am. And you're like, that's great. And so this is who you are. This is who you want to be, right? And that, the idea that you can have like a character logical change isn't one that we we think about because Mm -hmm. without an intervention, because we think we are who we are, who we are. This is the way I react to things. And it, a lot of times without any self-aware, I mean, I don't want to say that you're not, that people with depression aren't self-aware. Of course they are. Like with that, I'm trying to stay away from the super clinical language. With the other person in the room, it gives you the opportunity to be like, examine that other thought that you may have had to yourself. Like, I wish I could be blank. Right. And like, maybe you didn't want to say it out loud to another person because it does going back to the mom, it does sort of at some level, you have to reject that idea and then reshape your relationship with the person, both yourself and the, the caregivers and the people around you. It's hard. Yeah. Some, sometimes people are not ready. And when someone who has depression comes to see you know, that is a long road. If you are someone and you are dealing with depression and you go to therapy, know that it's going to be a long road to, cause there has to be some undoing and some unlearning, mm-hmm. right. Of the ways that you've been for so long that has to happen. And that doesn't happen quickly because I think the big part of therapy that we don't always talk about is the relationship and how important the relationship is with the client and the therapist. So you're going to have to trust me enough to kind of open up these parts of yourself that probably maybe you've never opened up before. And also to trust me enough to allow me to challenge you in your thinking. And mm-hmm. that can be very difficult too, because sometimes we can be very wedded to this idea. And so yeah. we don't want to hear anything different. And so when I challenge you, it may take you time to accept that. And it has to take time for me to be able to challenge you so that, you know, I won't say things and you won't not come back the next week. Right. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> like that challenge doesn't come in the first session. No, like, it okay. takes some time. Right. Um, <laughs> There has to be an established rapport. And also uh, for you as the patient to be able to give a timeline, give a history so that you and the therapist can really like walk through the history and see how it's affecting the present. And if in the present, in the history, we can like sort of pinpoint where or how this 
defense, this melancholic defense came into play to protect you, to protect your mind, right? It isn't, I'm going to say it again. So uh, one of the things, well, one of the things about depressive thoughts, right, is that they do, it tends to be that you're attacking yourself, right? Like you're Mm -hmm. not being able to excavate that, excavate, that's the way I want to say it, and like turn that outward and find a way to challenge the thought that's going towards you to turn it out and look at that and look at that internal critic that is really like super hard on you and be like the person that's like, hey, hey, would you really talk to another living soul the way you talk to yourself? Hell no. We're always our worst critic. Yeah. I think people have a belief that like, if I'm not hard on myself, who will be? And if not, things won't get done. And I think that there is a part of us that need a little bit of that, right? To make sure that things don't get done. I mean, things get done, excuse me. But I'm not sure how hard you need to be. And I'm not sure like what behavior was modeled for you, right? On how hard to be on others and on yourself. Okay, a little super ego, couldn't help it. Inner critic, super ego. I'm going, I'm going in. Go, go in. in. Do the therapist thing. Go, go for it. (laughs) But in that, like that that becomes so like we all have one we all have a super ego we all have an internal critic we all have a part of ourselves that is our internal parent right mm-hmm. somebody like the voice that's like oh no 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 like that's hot don't touch it Let, let's be like that simple mm-hmm. um but when she gets a little like out there and she gets to be a little too mean and a little too much there i brought it down right like someone's going to keep, someone's going to go in there and like talk to her. And that's what your therapist does. Goes in there and like talks to that super ego voice that's in there. That's telling you like, Hey, 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 how come, how come what you're doing isn't good enough? Like, what is, what is it that you are actually supposed to be doing so that we can like hear that other voice, the voice that's like, I'm okay. Right. Some people call it inner child work. Mm-hmm. When you go back and reparent the inner child. You don't love that term, do you? I Diana? don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't. But it does work. I mean, I'm not going to, I just don't like the language about it. Right. You cannot like the language and, like and the still language. think that it's important work to be done. Because that's what we're doing, right? Like it's all the work that we're doing. Like we're having, com- like we're really looking back at the history. The history informs your present. There's, you know, and then you have a fantasy about the future. All the work that we do is inner inner child work. Um, and it's really like allowing the layers and layers and layers and layers of being human to come to the surface and being able to talk about it. I mean, the mind is a beautiful place when it's- But also a scary one. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it, it is. And we have so many thoughts all day long. And so like, which is like when we get caught on these thoughts, right? Like, attacking ourselves or like that bring us to this place of melancholia like what like think of all the other millions of things that you could be thinking about right like millions of things millions in a day that you could be thinking about that would like shift your perspective of the world but i think it goes back to i forgot what the number was but how we have like at least like thirty thousand negative thoughts a day like most of our thoughts that we do have are 70 percent 70 percent 70 percent of our thoughts are negative good god damn that's rough how do we combat that on a day-to-day basis right and not kind of be a negative person in some way right like how do we not allow that to take us over 
on a day-to-day basis, right? Like, how do we not let that small thing that happened, like that person that skipped us in line in the morning, to let it go and not allow it to like mess up our whole day because we keep thinking about right. how or rude that, that person is. Or that Why person not say anything to them? That called in sick so you couldn't get a massage that, that day or that. How do you let that not ruin your whole day? <laughs> Just a little side note that happened to me this week. So Misha now can't pull it together. She's going to laugh a little bit, but I shifted. I shifted. And I think that that's, I, I, using that as a personal anecdote is that is something that maybe a younger version of myself, I could have like, that could have put me out for the day. Like, right. hell mm-hmm. no. But there were so many other good things that happened over that day that I was like, okay. And I get to go back, like, whatever. It's not like they're not going to let me back. They're going to, they're going to, they said, you can rebook. I was like, okay, great. Right. That I didn't take it personally. Right. right. I think that that's kind of important. Right. Cause that in a, in a depressive state, you may be like the world's out, up against me. And like this person called in sick and it's because of me. And I'm like, well, right. Actually, that's yeah, when you are like stuck in the that identity of being a victim too. Right. right. And I'm like, mm, that person doesn't actually know me. They know nothing about me. They know nothing about my week. They know nothing about what my morning was like. I kind of don't think that they did this on purpose. Right. I got there pretty quick. And then, you not know, not all of us. No, <laughs> I got there pretty quick in the, you know, sometimes not so much, but I was able to get there. And I think that that is like, there's a hardness and depression that doesn't allow you to go into those spaces. And also I was thinking as we're talking, you know, what's in the difference, because we brought up morning and melancholia in the morning, in the grief, in the ep- in a sad episode of a loss, mm-hmm. you're able to, there are pe- like peaks and valleys and in the valleys they're like deep, but there's a peak. And mm-hmm. I think that that's important. Like there is a peak in that, that particular state where you can see, you can feel the sunshine. So you know that it's not permanent. And I think there's, it's all a valley in a, in more of a depressive melancholic state. It's more valley than peak. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like it'll ever change. Maybe you'll get to like the hot, the surface, but you're not going up the mountain. You're just getting to the base of the mountain. You're coming down Grand Canyon up to the base, but not all the way up to the top of, that's it. Not up to the top. Why do you think people who are knowingly depressed why do you think they don't get help then? Like, I think about that sometimes, right? Like people who have been depressed for years. That's what do you question. think it is that stops them from getting the help that they need? Well, I think part of it is because it feels so, you, we've said it, right? It feels so the much. Overwhelming. Thing. Of who you are that yeah. it can't change, right? Like no one can help me. No one can help me change. And that feeling, that weight, the weight of that is just it's too much like the, to be able to build the trust or be able to build a bond with the therapist. Who are you? Right. right. Like, who am I to this person? It's almost like you have to have like a window, like an, like a little window of light to think that it's going to, it's going to work Something's out. Change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is and why I, we see people who might come to therapy and don't stay very long. Right. Because right. it's just like maybe before they even came, they didn't believe that something will change. And then when it doesn't happen quick enough, they're like, oh, I knew it wasn't going to work anyway. And they kind of stop coming. And it makes right. me sad when that happens with some clients. Yeah. I mean, it's like in their, the worldview, the people around them are working, 
are joining their depression. So they like their whole world is going to have to shift. And that's terrifying. Right. It's kind of like, I don't want to be depressed anymore, but I also don't know any other way. And so it does feel comfortable in the discomfort of it all. It, it's still comfortable. It's familiar. Mm -hmm. It's something that I know. Am I ready to be different? Because right. if I'm different, then things will have to change. Yeah. Right. Because maybe, you know, people will expect more from me. Right. Like maybe I, people expect, you know, phone calls and brunch dates and people will want more from me. And am, am, am I ready to change in that way? Well, right. And that flooding of like, I'm going to have to do all of that at once. Too much. Too much. And it take, I mean, you're very good at making, of like handling the expectation of the patient. You're like, well, one phone call. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Why, why are we doing all this? We don't, why are we doing all this? Like, you don't have to do just like one, like how's like just one brunch every six months. Like, why do we have yes. to do this? Why does it have to be all at once? And I think like helping people to set up that expectation that like, we don't expect your cat. We don't expect this to change overnight. Right. Because that would be too much for your psyche. Like that would be like, like we're going to dial it back just a little bit. Like, cause we don't want you to like have a full blown manic episode. We want you to like dial it back so that like we can help you go step by step into creating this new identity, this new self so that you, everybody feels comfortable. And that like, because when you're moving out of the depression, I think what we're not talking about and is important is it's, there's the anxiety that goes along with it. Right. Like, yes. And the anxiety can be just whew, a lot. You know, it's all of it can feel very overwhelming. So yeah. like, we're talking about this. So for the people who are listening, like the flooding of thoughts and feelings that come with all of this and also that come with the thought of change. That's a big part of all of this, right? Like when mm -hmm. someone has to think about like having to change or for people who had never been depressed, who then become depressed. And I right. think that in this time of COVID, we have been forced to sit with our thoughts and our feelings in ways that we really never had to before because we could just stay busy. Right. We always had things to do, so I didn't have to think about and I didn't have to feel these feelings. And now people are starting to feel the feelings and having the thoughts that they didn't want to have. And people are coming to therapy at a higher rate right now, especially for me as a Black therapist. For people of color, they're coming and they're realizing that, shit, this is a lot and yeah. I actually need a space to talk about it. Mm -hmm. But it's also really scary to think that how do I talk about uncertainty? I think that we all feel like when you come to a, maybe a certain space or a certain age in your life, you're supposed to just know things. And I think that the last 18 months have shown us like we really, there's a lot we don't know and we right. may not know. And how do I navigate a life in which I don't always know what's next? Like concretely know. Yes. And how, what do you do? I mean, and uh, we've said this all along, right? We never actually knew. But we no, had, we felt um, like we did. <laughs> we had a defense mm -hmm. that was, we can look at it from like, we have the internal superego, which is our internal parent. We had, if at, at some level, we had, everybody had a parent, like everybody was born. So they had a parent. We don't know who raised you. We don't know who's listening. Right. But there was a caregiver of sorts. And like in our, in the past, however long, there's been so much conflict about who's taking care of us mm -hmm. and what that looks like 
and how to know what's next because the voices are all saying something different. So yesterday I went to New York, <laughs> to the city and then mm -hmm. I came home to New Jersey, two different places. Yes. Two different, very much so. right? Like, so even the anxiety that's there, which was minor, like, I don't, I don't live with a lot of anxiety, but I live with like, it was like, the, I could feel the confusion of like, what, what are the rules over here? And what are the rules over here? Like, they're just different. They're right. different. And our sense is that we want, there's should, like when we go into McDonald's and we look, not that I eat at McDonald's anymore, Jessica, in case you're listening, I don't, but everybody <laughs> knows the menu. It's been the same forever. I'm sorry, McDonald's, you may never be a sponsor. Okay, fine. That being <laughs> said, we expect the menu to be the menu, yes. right? Like we expect that consistency. We look for the sign. We see the golden arches. We know that we can pull over when we're driving someplace and perhaps you can have French fries on a road trip because they're good for you. My, that's what everybody, everybody has a breaking point. But like we expect that consistency and we haven't had that consistency. And so if we have a history of trauma or a history that we weren't, we didn't have that consistency, something like this pandemic definitely could create a reaction that brings us to a depressive state as a result of not trusting the powers that be to take care of us the way that we had anticipated. Right. I feel about that long-winded explanation of today's depression <laughs> i wasn't ready <laughs> but i took it all in i promise i took it all all of it in basically it's just like a trigger for some people right like oh i mean i could have just said that you could have said trigger I, <laughs> it's fine it's totally cool yeah, I, I was thinking that you were thinking but, trigger and i was thinking all of the other things i, I was thinking the very long-winded way to say trigger is that what <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm sorry that we're laughing during an episode talking about depression. However, well, in order to get through a time like this, you do have to have some laughs when you're dealing with serious things. I, but I think that as a defense, it's really important, right? We want to bring information about a serious topic and really talk about it. Yeah. And if you know somebody in your personal life who is depressed, it's really heavy and it's really hard. If you yourself are depressed, it's really heavy and it's really hard. And we know the seriousness of it. And I think like when we laugh about it, it is our own, it's our, it's our own defenses because of the weight of the issue. It is a heavy one because I think that a lot of us are experiencing like things that look like depression, but they, they just may be sadness. And so that feels heavy for us. And then some of us may have people in our lives who are actually depressed. Yeah. And that can feel super heavy. And sometimes we don't know how to help them um, other than kind of sitting with the sadness with them, which can feel overwhelming for us and can feel very sad. Yeah, it's Because it, it, it's definitely true. You know, this has been a hard time for a lot of people. But I do believe that even if you don't decide to go to therapy, but of course we will always tell you that we think that that could be helpful. Talk to someone, Yeah, you know, I, allow someone in. Yep. And I think that one of the, the what, what we're really trying to say is that there is, we believe that there's hope to move out of the state, like that you don't, you don't have to live with depression for the lifetime and that there is a way to freedom of the feeling even if you 
right now you don't a hundred percent believe us, but there's also, and I, we're not, we aren't psychiatrists, so I don't really want to get deep into it, but that, you know, medication and talk therapy, definitely depending on where you are in your depressive, in the depression, definitely work and shouldn't be excluded. Like you shouldn't right. exclude it. And um, I don't always turn to medication first. It's not uh, my first go around, but I do think that in, in this time, in, in a depressive state, that is just definitely something like if you were to come to me, I would, depending on the severity of it, I would, uh, if you weren't already seeing a psychiatrist, I would recommend a psychiatrist. That's what I would say. Um, I often recommend it when I feel like it's kind of hard for someone just to kind of navigate their day. Yeah. And so the talk therapy is extremely helpful, but some people are unable to get out the bed right? Like, and depression looks different in all of us, right? Like, so your depression might be, you can't get out of bed. You can barely take a shower. You can barely talk. Like people's depression can get kind of yep. that heavy or your depression might look like you're just super irritable and agitated and angry. Right. We don't, we don't really know what it looks like until we start talking to you or talking about it. And it does come in different forms. And so I think that for all of us to just be aware of the changes in our behavior, and mm -hmm. to be more curious about them and question them. So what is going on with me? Why right. have I been feeling like this? Why have I been having these thoughts? What's going on? Mm -hmm. I think it's so important. And sometimes we don't do that. And that's when things can kind of just get worse and worse and worse because we're not trying to fix it. We're not questioning it. We're not being curious about what's going on. And so sometimes someone else points it out and then we get defensive and then we still don't work on it. So, I know. well, I think we have to stop here, but we should, we should say this, there will be no last hurrah in today's episode on depression yeah. to bewellpsychotherapy.com. We definitely, if you're listening and you think you have any symptoms of depression, it could be you're sleeping too much. You're not sleeping at all. You have no appetite. I mean, it could be, or you have too much of an appetite. You're, you're irritable. You're not sleeping, oversleeping. But, exactly. But I think one of the things is the most thing, the most important thing is, is this affecting your day-to-day -day life and how you function with your family, friends, and at work, right? Yes. Like how you are functioning. If you think that like there's a depression that is keeping you from functioning to your best self, there's somebody at Be Wild that can help you and connect you with a therapist today. We're going to stop here. We are, as you know, still living in a pandemic. So, Anisha, stay safe, stay safe, wash your hands, and please stay socially distant. Yes. Okay. We'll Have see you next week. week. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Be Real podcast. Stay connected to us and subscribe to Be Real wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you are feeling it, how about a five-star review? If our conversation sparked a question, join us in the Be Real podcast Facebook group. We hope that you have walked away with some new insights, curiosities, and ideas to better help you on your journey to mental wellness and overall well-being. I encourage you to go to BeWellPsychotherapy.com and check out our services and programs. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com. Okay, we have to stop here, but I'll see you next week.